we finally talk about the finale of WandaVision. As it turns out, she was too powerful for Agatha to train, which is a shame because there aren't many witches left. We discuss what we thought of the series overall and the implications it could have for the future of storytelling in the MCU. And later, on a more serious note, we discuss reasons why we might not have liked Wanda going into this show and that the MCU has failed to connect us to her and other female characters. Is it us or is it Hollywood? All this and more on episode 24 of Krypton to Alderaan. Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast. Based on what we're going to talk about today, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> uh, I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. Robin. Hello. And Dr. Lorelei. Hello. Am I the villain of this podcast? <laughs> Dr. Lorelei. <laughs> we're going to have to see... We're going to have to map out your trajectory going forward. Do you take the hero's journey or do you take the villain's journey? Time will tell. Time will tell. Or do you get a, what's it called? Redemption. Time Turner. Redemption story. Oh. (laughs) The world is our oyster at this point. Hi, everyone out there listening. I've been spending some time at the top of the past couple episodes asking for your help, getting us new listeners, which we'd still really appreciate. Please rate, review, subscribe, pass it on, all that stuff. But this time, I'd like to take some time and focus on some positive statistics for our podcast. It's really cool. As of a couple of months ago, actually, we hit a thousand total downloads, which was very exciting. Obviously, we're still a very new podcast, but that is a pretty exciting milestone for us, I think. Uh, And as of right now, we have 11 five-star ratings on Apple Podcast. It's a lot of stars. So many stars. It's like 55 stars. That's halfway through Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> um, including two new reviews from listeners that I am going to read right now. We have five stars. Keep up the great work. Love listening. Five out of five from Kay Stilson. And from OR2, we have Grand Return to Nerdism. This podcast has returned me to my love of Star Wars lore and superhero worlds following a 20-year hiatus. Definitely recommended. Awesome. So that's cool. And when I read OR2's review, I was like, oh, they're being facetious because we took a lot of time off last year because of a whole bunch of reasons. But I was like, oh, that's funny. We took like a 20-year hiatus. But then I read it again. I was like, oh, they took a 20-year hiatus. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I'm Joey and I'm a dummy. Um, uh, So yeah, so that's really great. If you would like to get in touch with us or leave us a review, you could do that at a whole bunch of places. And what I've come to learn is there are actually a whole bunch of places where you can't. Like, I think Spotify and Google don't give you the option to rate or review a podcast if you're listening on those. So if you want to reach out, shoot us an email at kryptontoalderon at gmail.com and let us know how we're doing. Or you could also reach out on Twitter or Instagram at kryptonalderon. Chat with us. Let us know how we're doing. Tell us about some content you'd like us 
some stuff you'd like us to talk about, any of that stuff. We'd love to hear from you, and it would be great. Oh, and last episode, I said I'd post a link to the Trans Rights or Human Rights GoFundMe on our Twitter, which I forgot to do. I did put it in the show notes, but I will post a link to it on Twitter this week. That's the business end of the podcast. So, how's everyone doing? (laughs) I need a good, I, I still don't have like a good segue into this segment. So, like fireside chats with four friends. Anyway, how are we doing? <laughs> what are you guys doing? What are you up to? Royce, what, how's it going over there? It's going great over here. So I'm going to shout out my f- new favorite YouTube channel over this past year, which is also celebrating a one-year anniversary of sorts. And I've told you guys about it before, but the YouTube channel, Ghost Town Living. <laughs> kind of a kitschy, clickbaity name, but it's a channel where this dude, Brent, is living in an old mining town out near Death Valley, Cerro Gordo. And he's trying to like preserve and rebuild this ghost town, mining town place. And he's been living there alone since the pandemic started. It's like the dude had perfect timing to go off and live in the middle of nowhere all alone. And his YouTube channel is phenomenal, man. He's going through mines and looking for denim and... (laughs) <laughs> trying to like it's it's just so out of this world like t- it sounds silly talking about it robin i can see you're dying to contribute on how much you've also been enjoying this channel what's up robin yeah i'm just curious because you're saying he's going through mines looking for denim is he mining denim yeah no, he's he's playing <laughs> real world minecraft and but it's not only that so he like goes into mines <laughs> and he's like teaching you about the history of the town mining in general and like americana in general and he's, make it his own jeans. Well, he's trying to like preserve all this history so it can be kind of like a tourist destination. And it's phenomenal. It's educational. It's inspiring. The dude is so genuine too. In his videos, he's just like, yeah, I love it out here. I watch the sunset and like, it's so zen. And he wishes the same path for everyone that's watching. He's like, I hope you can all find a ghost town to live in. I hope you can find your own ghost town. <laughs> yeah. I hope you can find your own place to live by yourself. <laughs> so I could go on and on and on, but it's not like your typical like YouTube vlog where it's flashy and it's someone like living a life that you could never have. It's just this dude like living out his dream. And it's a really wild dream, but it's just, I can't stop watching it. It's amazing. And he just put out an hour video this week recapping the entire year he spent so if this sounds interesting to you, you got to go watch it. It's great. Ghost Town Living on YouTube. Robin, you're missing out. <laughs> I think I'd be into that. I think I'd be into it too. It, There's a lot of know, geology in it. Yeah, I on, love rocks. On, so I have two, then I have two, one point and one question. I think that I, it's a, it, seemed, it sounds very interesting. I think it's a life that not a lot of people could lead. He's obviously <laughs> privileged enough to be able to go it, it out It costs like a million dollars to buy the town. He owns yeah, the town. Not, not have to work <laughs> and stuff like that. So, But Lorelai, as our resident doctor geologist, can you mine denim <laughs> i have literally no idea what you're talking like in my mind what's happening is he's going into old mines and like finding miners corpses yeah with jeans exactly on. is that what's happening that's amazing he just answered this question he's like why are, why are you able to find pants in the mine and i guess they would use like old denim to carry dynamite and like other stuff they would like use pieces of pants as like a grocery bag 
Wow. Oh, and Did also they wear to cover their butts. Yeah. Also, <laughs> it's Death Valley. It's very hot. The there. miners <laughs> didn't own the pants. Sometimes the mining company owned the denim. So you'd come to work and you would put on. See, I'm learning so much. It's amazing. Wow. Like a little denim uniform. Yeah. And you would leave it in the mine because it wasn't yours. That's Mr. Crazy. Workman. Yeah. <laughs> it's workman, dummy. <laughs> Uh, uh, we should mention Lost once an episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is that it? Is that it for Ghost Death That That's it. Camp? If, if I answered all your questions, that is. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> Robin, do you, do you want me to ask you what's new on 2020? Um, 2020 hasn't been great lately, but I did finally read The Umbrella Academy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Joey's on board now. Yes. <laughs> I finally read it. It took me, I want to say, like an hour tops. I kind of just plowed through it. It was v- yeah. a very, very easy read. Uh, and I, I need the rest of them because it was very good. Yeah. Okay. You enjoyed it? Yeah. It was awesome. Isn't it insane? Every aspect of it is insane, right? Like the story and the artwork. The is artwork insane. is awesome. And then the, yeah. the story is interesting because you can definitely tell, especially seeing the show first you can definitely tell like there are a lot of parts of the comic that are in the show but it's not not all of it is verbatim especially like some of the characters like it was interesting in the book i expected a little bit more diversity every single character in the the comic is white all of the the kids um so that was kind of surprising i didn't realize that but uh otherwise it's it's definitely very similar but not like 100 identical yeah so that's what i was i think a couple episodes a couple of podcast episodes ago i was talking about that a little bit where i think the show i love the show and i think the show and the comic book are both good content but they are pretty different in some way like hazel and cha-cha are completely different in the comic book than they are on the show and i like their characters more in the show same with um the detective is different yeah too. what's the I can't remember now the main the main Umbrella Academy member's name. Number one, what's his name? Anyway, I like his character way more on the show than I do in the comic book. But that's awesome. I'm glad that you read it, and I'm excited for you to read more and for us to talk about it. Do you like the show or the book more? I think I like the show more, but I definitely want to read the rest of the comics because the the artwork is very good, the story is very good, and I like seeing the differences between the two. Like, it was interesting in the book that all of the characters had their, like, superhero names, and that is not in the show at all. And I I understand why, because I don't think the nicknames are really that great. So, I, to me, it makes sense that they left it out of the show. Like, I wouldn't want to be calling Klaus Seance or whatever his name is. It, there's, they just, they have, like, three or four different names in the comic books. That's something about the book that drove me crazy. It's like, why... All of this. Mm-hmm. That was a little hard to keep track of. You're like, you're reading it and one character is calling them one thing and someone else is calling them another and a third person's calling them another thing. And you're like, I need to slow down. Oh, okay, these are all the same person. Yeah. And something I, another thing, I'm picking apart the comic book a little bit. I did like it, but something I didn't like, another thing I didn't like about it was that Klaus is just the, like, he's the plot device for fixing every. Thing that happens in the comic book. Like, if something happens in the comic book, Klaus 
has or develops a power to counteract it. He's just like the linchpin of fixing everything. And I like that in the show, it's more... Uh, it's more difficult. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe nuanced is the right word, but it's his more difficult of a situation and someone just doesn't develop a power to fix the situation. You might say his power is super convenient. <clears throat> Hold for <clears throat> laughter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 10 out of 10 would read again. We'll be awesome. We'll be buying the rest of them to to read. Great. And so this week was also, oh man, it was a, it was a super Mario anniversary. Did you know that? Did you play Mario, your new Mario game on the Mario anniversary? I did not, but I did realize that on March 10th, it was Mario Day. Yeah. Happy Mar- happy belated Mario Day, everybody. <laughs> I did nothing to celebrate. <laughs> Lorelai, what do you got? Um, Isn't this a fun, comfortable conversation between four <laughs> friends that we all love this segment of the podcast so much? Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but one thing that the mining reminded me of mm. is that we've started watching Resident Alien. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about this already? I No, I mentioned it last time as something that we've been watching. But It's very funny, but there's this like funny bit that they do in this town where they talk about the 59 because like apparently there was a mine collapse and all there's 60 miners and 59 of them ran out and... One was left, and so all 59 went back to save the last guy, except then they all die. Oh, no. <laughs> but it ends up being, like, this really funny thing. Yeah, it's so funny. funny. Yeah, <laughs> It's a weird... Well, because the town, like, is like, the 59, they died to save one, and then the alien's like, they didn't save him! They all died! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just, like, kind of funny. But uh, the show's really good. We've been enjoying it a lot. Um it's like good small town comedy, I would say. Yeah, it's it's a real weird, quirky, like this alien takes over this guy's body and becomes the town doctor, but he doesn't know how to be human. It's pretty funny. He like spends a few weeks watching Law and Order, and that's how he figures out how to be human. So, so he's Zoidberg. He keeps on he keeps on going dun dun. Yeah, anytime yeah, anything like kind of scary happens, <laughs> it's pretty much Zoidberg, but but not like he's not hated by everyone. I guess uh, no, they like they have no suspicions of him being an alien. Man, they just Zoidberg. think he's a weird dude. Zoidberg's great. Futurama is a great show. That could be like if we picked like if anyone, even though we all love this segment, if anyone was ever just like, let's just pick one thing and have that be our forever what we're into, <laughs> Futurama would be high on the list. Um, what about me, Joey? Um I'm I'm really, really digging this Superman and Lois show. There are some aspects of it that are a little problematic. To continue on the comic book route, I've been diving pretty deep into the comic run, the comic series Invincible, which started in the early 2000s and ran for like 18 years or something. It was very popular. It's becoming an Amazon Prime animated show. In a couple of weeks, it starts and it looks good. And the comic book is very good, just like everyone has always said it is. So I'm really enjoying that. It's also got some problematic elements, like early 2000s problematic elements. But I also recently read an article about how to be a fan of problematic things, which I would encourage everyone else to go do. And those are the three things I'm into this week. We did it. All right. A fourth thing I'm into. The series finale. <laughs> the series finale of WandaVision. Let's 
do this. I know everyone's so excited to talk about this. Um, I want to start by saying things I thought were neat. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Something we've talked about on the podcast before, I think a couple of different times, was the idea that maybe as the show progressed and got more interesting to you all, it would make the beginning of the show more enjoyable, sort of tying everything together. So I want to hear the three of your thoughts on on what you thought of the finale, just like whether in general, whether you liked it or not, and whether you think that the latter part of the series was enjoyable and made the early part of the series enjoyable. Robin, I'd love to hear from you first. <laughs> so overall, the series I would compare to a train oh, no. that you're watching and you're like, that train is about to get in an accident. And then the train gets back on the tracks and you're like, yes, go train. You're doing great. And then <laughs> at the very last minute, the train falls off the tracks and everybody on the train dies. That's pretty much my thoughts of the series as a whole. The last few episodes I liked. I thought they were good and I was getting really excited for the finale. The finale was incredibly messy and disappointing to me especially the whole double vision plot line. The part where he's like, I am vision. And you're like, oh, cool. So fake vision is going to die now. And then real vision is going to go back down and they're going to live happily ever after. And then real vision flies away and fucks off forever, I guess. And <laughs> fake vision goes back down and then her whole family dies. And now she's just alone again. Wow. Boo. <laughs> um. Okay, I will... Let's do, let's let's bounce around a little bit. I, I will say I will say a couple of things. I for for a hot minute, I did also think that that the vision that went back after they had that dialogue after the after the two visions had that dialogue, I thought the vision that went back to help Wanda was the real uh, white vision, corporeal vision. Uh, yeah, and and in, it wasn't until the end that that I that I understood that it it wasn't. But based on the end of the show, I think it's sort of a good parallel that the new vision is went off to figure things out. And that's by the end of the show, that's also what Wanda has gone and done. So I think it's an interesting parallel based on their relationship and hopefully what will continue to be their relationship is that they're both out there finding themselves and then at some point will come back together. But anyway, let's keep going with the uh, unless you have a unless you want to respond to my claims, Robin. No, I mean, I also thought that the vision that went back down was real vision, if that's how we want to refer to him. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, oh, he realized he is vision and now he's colorized and the other vision is gone and it's just him. And then at the very end, he died, which I wasn't expecting. So <clears throat> I'm just annoyed that there's like this decolorized vision out in the world and Wanda's living by herself in a hut in the woods and it was very unsatisfying to me. Mm. Royce, what did you think? Yeah, that vision thing was the most confusing part to me. But I really liked when the two visions met and they had the moment of like, who's the real one? They did the Spider-Man meme, you know? <laughs> but I liked that they were like bargaining with each other to try and like figure out what was going on. They, he wasn't totally evil vision. He was more like, there can only be one of us. So which one is it? It wasn't like, I'm going to kill you. I'm the only one. But... Yeah, then he disappears and you don't you don't really know what happened to him unless you infer like Joey some kind of like plot line, but it wasn't explained. 
And then when he disappears at the end of the episode, you're like, oh, okay, it was the fake one. So I was confused by that too. But if we want to tie it back to our favorite TV show, Lost, I really like how Lost, even though it has problems with its trajectory and finale, it starts with a character's eye opening and it ends with a character's eye closing. And they kind of have a whole loop of like a character's life cycle. And I don't really feel that with WandaVision. Like she was still kind of like, she starts the series desperate and alone and wanting to like not really go through the whole grief process. And at the end of the series, I don't know if she's still kind of like gone through it. She's still sort of broken and doesn't really have a bright future. So it wasn't a satisfying ending in that respect. And then the townspeople are all like, we hate you. And she's just like, I'm going to put my hood up. I don't even see you. And she gets away with being the worst person in the world. And yeah, there wasn't... She learned nothing the end. Wasn't really much to take away from. Yeah, you're like, there wasn't a hero's journey there. It was like, she kind of got away with like murder in a sense, you know? So I thought that was odd. I really wasn't super satisfied with that. Plus the fact that, okay, this is actually what I meant to say, tying it back to Lost. The last episode and your point about liking the beginning of the show... Last couple episodes are like totally different format. They do a big like typical MCU battle in the finale, which I should be expected, I suppose, especially when you have that like other vision character and bad guy army guys. And they have a typical battle and the two wit- witches and whatever, who cares? And that's nothing like the beginning of the show. I wish there was like an ending scene where it goes back to the sitcom and like ties it all up with a nice little bow. Because like I said in episode or two or three ago, they're just going to quietly forget about the whole broadcasting thing. The broadcast went dead. That was literally a line of dialogue in the show. It had like the whole broadcasting, the sitcom thing was really just a facade and kind of like clickbaity thing. Kind of worked, but they just drop it in the middle of the show. You know, it's like if the island from Lost was really just like, you know, Honolulu or something. I don't know. Is that an island? <laughs> or you're like, it's not in the middle of nowhere. Um. <laughs> anyway, I didn't like the finale. Surprise. <laughs> I have a lot, I have I a lot to say. I feel I think- like it was kind of the the ending was kind of the inevitable conclusion was that Wanda was going to come to her senses and like delete everything she'd done and feel pretty bad about it. But I think it was still like an important part of her development as a character just like if only because she like is now the scarlet witch and has like realized that she like she has the her power isn't just like the mind stone giving her these weird powers she's like got these witchy powers too yeah the whole thing to touch on one point i want to make to things Royce said the whole thing is the hero's journey like it's not over until wanda is over so all of this was part of her journey going through the grief and creating the town and then coming to to realize that she was hurting those people. I mean, she didn't know that. And then her eyes were opened to it in the finale. And then more grief having to lose her family and then continuing on from there. So I understand your point is sort of not being satisfied with the hero's journey aspect of it, but it's all, it's not the end of that. This is all part of of that. She had to learn this stuff in order to be the hero. Sure. And like we've talked about before, she went through, besides the trauma that she went through leading up to this series, she was also 
she also failed at some points as a hero in the past. So it's all her learning how to be the hero. You know what would have like tied it up though a little bit is if one of the townspeople, instead of like them all being like, we had your nightmares, you ruined our lives. If one of them had just said like, we understand, but please go away. Like, I don't know if that was really hit on. They're just, they just kind of berate her about being like, you controlled me, let my daughter out of her bedroom and all these horrible things. But no one was like, ah, we get it. Yeah, well, so that's a really good point. I think that that would be a really good thing to touch on given some time. I mean, I don't know, just from a, I think just maybe from a storytelling standpoint, if someone had immediately woken up from that and been like, oh, I understand, it would have been maybe a little bit weird to see from from our perspective to see that because if, if as soon as you wake up from something like that, you're going to be like, what the F, you know? Yeah. Your immediate thought isn't going to be sympathy for her. They have no idea why she was doing it. They just, all of a sudden it happened to them and then all of a sudden they woke up. You know, I mean, maybe they were sharing her grief to some extent and maybe they, there was a thing about she could like, have, like, seeing her memories and having together, her pain. Though. She didn't like offer any kind of that's, solace to them. Yeah, I agree with that. They didn't try to fix any of the town afterwards, but well, it goes again, back maybe to that's normal, I guess, to address but... in the future. Yeah, I don't think it's quite the same as committing murder. I don't think she necessarily got away with committing murder. I mean, she didn't. I, I'm not justifying it, but she didn't know she was hurting the townspeople, and then she left. Probably because, well, I don't know, because she was ashamed and because she was afraid of the military showing up and whatever, but murder might be a stretch. What else do you think, Lorelai? Did you like the finale? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I think it's interest. One of the things that was interesting about it is that they leave you kind of in this weird gray area where you don't know if Wanda's a good person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she might be a villain and there was an entire character telling her, like, you don't know who you are. You're the villain from this book thing. Like, they they don't leave it as like, yeah, she's a good person. She's one of the Avengers. They're all good guys. Or, like, she's become this evil witch. Um, so I think, you know, just being okay with being in that sort of in-between. Where Wanda's, her character has always kind of been like that, right? Like, she is an Avenger, but she, like, destroys that town and all these other things that makes people hate her. <laughs> Basically, yeah, I mean, so. she's res she's also, like, responsible for these Sokovia Accords, yeah. basically, at yep. this point. But I think that's, I think, that f from, for me, that's something really great that this show set up. Like, that Wanda, there's no, like, good v. bad. There's Wanda, and she's being told she's bad, and she's done some bad stuff, but she's trying to be a hero, and that's, like the gray area of this show that I think I, I that of the writing of this show that I really enjoyed. And now she's like, like you said, Lorelai, she's been told she's the Scarlet Witch, which is this bringer of destruction. And she's reading the dark hold book and all this stuff. But she under now because of her hero's journey so far, she understands what she's done and she understands the power she has and right going forward. We'll see how she uses it, but she can be a better hero for it, I think. So I, surprise, surprise, really enjoyed the finale. 
so many people didn't for various reasons like we've discussed or because their theories didn't come true, which I think is such a weird reason to dislike a thing. Like I had a lot of theories. People have theory like most of this podcast is going to be us being like, well, what if this is going to happen? And then if it doesn't come true, we're going to hate the thing. It's just that just blows my mind. But anyway, um, I thought it was really good. As I said early on, I thought the finale was going to be very emotional. It was Wanda was going to have to come to terms and probably lose the family that she created. And that whole part of it, I was very I was very emotionally affected by the end of the show. When she realizes what she's done to the town and is starting to come to terms with that and then she has to give it up and bring down the hex and lose her family. And the whole like sort of final act of the finale when she is saying goodbye to her kids and saying goodbye to Vision, I think that that was a incredible writing. I think it was phenomenal. Writing those scenes, writing that dialogue, boys, thanks for choosing me to be your mom. And then the entire interaction between her and Vision at the end, like the, we've said goodbye before, it stands to reason. All of that and the direction of that was extremely emotionally powerful, I think. And, and of course, the aspect of it bringing in phase four and going forward with Scarlet Witch's character, I really enjoyed so Royce and Robin didn't enjoy the finale so much, so it probably didn't add anything to the beginning of the show for you. Like, I think what Robin, I think, Robin, what you said was that it kind of, the show kind of went, started down and went up a little bit and then went down again. Didn't stick the landing. Yeah, I had really high hopes for the ending. I was hoping they would continue on that trajectory, and I would think it was really, really cool, like, in the end, and be like, okay, the show really wasn't that bad, but... The show kind of went downhill with some of the plot points in the finale, unfortunately. And so, Royce, did your perspective of the beginning of the show change at all based on the middle, I guess, or end of the show? I definitely am with Robin that I liked where it was going at points. But yeah, that the ending with like the witch v. witch, vision v. vision, and the sword guys, like they didn't even really do anything. It was just a typical like, mess like i think you use the term messy yeah it's messy the ending is just kind of uh hey just have some action going on and which fight and given that the show was supposed to be like a little different the ending wasn't any different than any marvel movie so no it, it didn't change the my perspective of the beginning of the show one thing that i think is interesting maybe to mention and was probably going to make you upset joe but i was watching chris stuckman's video on youtube reviewing the whole season. And his big sticking point was that Wanda doesn't actually like sacrifice anything. She sacrifices a bunch of stuff that doesn't exist that she made up. The children, vision, her happy life is all an illusion. And like the entire beginning of the show is a whole illusion, which is why none of us really connected with it. And then at the end of the show, she sacrifices all this stuff that didn't exist. And in the end, like I, I can't relate to that. In the end, it didn't even matter. Yeah, it's exactly right. So I, it's the whole thing I would just prefer to write off. I'm like with one of the townspeople. I'm like, you held me hostage and <laughs> please go away now. I apologize. Lorelai, I want, um, obviously I'm going to ask you the same question, but I just want to say that I think that that's a very harsh take on this. I think that, oh my goodness. Uh, I think that the sacrifice that Wanda makes is very powerful because it was 
<laughs> real to her. I mean, it was real in so many aspects of the word. Like, what if all of this is a simulation? Things matter to us. It's just, it's just, that's such a harsh take on it. It's so emotionally powerful because she created this reality out of her grief, out of the sacrifices that have, that, and the trauma that have already happened. And then at the, she thinks she has this perfect life, this real perfect life that she's living in. And then at the end, because she's been, because of dealing with grief and being made aware that it's negatively impacting people, she sacrifices all of it. She could keep it going. She could keep the kids and vision in the perfect life. And she sacrifices all of that. And I think that that's a very strong and powerful story. I, I, I just, yeah, I just think that that's a very harsh take that just because, well, I just don't agree that it wasn't sort of real in the sense of it, like in the, in the world of the MCU. Yeah. I think this, this series in a way that the rest of the MCU doesn't asks us to sort of suspend our disbelief and like believe in magic, you know, like it's not that she made this reality that isn't, or she like made this fake reality. She like actually created people. She like created these two kids and she recreated her husband, you know, like it's, not like it was all in her head. Um, whereas, you know, the rest of the MCU, it's like, oh, these people have powers and exist in the real world. And this is like that plus an aspect of magic, I guess. But I mean, I think her sacrifices were real in a way. Um, I think, I think, I don't know. It is really hard to justify like ruining people's lives in order to satisfy your own sort of grief. And then like having some sort of sympathy when she has to like give that up i don't know it's a difficult i think that's the thing about this show is that there is no right or wrong there's like no black and white it's not an easy one to just say like oh she is good what she did is okay or what she did isn't okay and she's not a good person because she tortured people for weeks and she's not a bad person because she did that out of like a certain amount of trauma that she's experienced in her life there's no way to say like oh yeah she's good or oh yeah she's bad which means people are going to react to it in a variety of ways, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. So did you, do you think, Lorelai, I think as someone who maybe wasn't on board with the beginning, but maybe a bit more towards the end, did you think that the end justified the beginning? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think I, I didn't like actively dislike the finale. I wasn't really disappointed in it. I also didn't, like, hate the beginning either. I don't know. I think I... I don't know. I watch these things for a different reason. I'm like, I'm going to watch it, and then I'm going to, like, talk about it with you guys, and then I'm not going to think about it anymore. So, like, you know, I'm <laughs> God just going to... I'm just going to enjoy it for what it was. And, mm -hmm. like, that was the show, and now it's over, and we'll watch the next season when it comes out. But, like, I think it what? was... I think it was good, and I, like... <laughs> yeah. I also think it was good. Okay, I want to dive into a little bit more of the show real quick. The series overall, maybe regardless of how you feel about the show, what I think it did for the MCU in a very incredible way was show that it doesn't all have to be big action superhero plots. Like, there's a fight at the end, but it's not. I mean, I thought the fight was great. I thought it looked great. I thought it was fun. I thought the resolution was good. But the show overall wasn't a big superhero show and what i think that this show has done 
20 movies 10 years into the MCU is show that the individual properties can have a range. You don't have to be the square peg in the square hole. You can you can have different MCU properties being different things. Um, and with this plot being very focused on grief and emotion and the internal struggle and the effect, the literal and metaphorical effect that that can have on a person's world, I think is A, very powerful, because like I said, I was very emotionally involved. And B, it opens up the door to fans or not fans who are maybe sick of a big blockbuster MCU type thing or just don't prefer the big action, really strong guys punching each other stuff. And the range that this adds to things going forward, I think, can be a huge benefit to, well, us talking about it for sure, but fan and not fan connections to the characters and to the properties. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's redefined what it means to be an MCU property. Yeah, they can't do the same thing over and over. I think it was smart to do WandaVision and then go do Falcon and Winter Soldier where they're like, okay, if this doesn't land, we'll at least appease all the people that didn't like Wanda. And if it did land, then everybody is open-minded now to other psychological thrillers and whatnot. Well, yeah, that's that's just the thing. Like WandaVision, it's appealing to different people. And I think that that's a really good idea from a business perspective and getting more people to watch. But I think it's also fun for us to sort of not get bored, I guess. Like you could watch Captain America, whatever, all day. Dude, I'm with you. I tune out with the big action sequences now. Yeah. It's like, okay, great. You're fighting. You're going to fight for another five minutes. The music is going to be epic. And then you guys are going to be like face to face, like choking each other. And one person's going to have a line and then the fight will be over. And like, you can kind of predict all that and you want a little bit more substance sometimes. But sometimes the substance is too much and it makes you mad. <laughs> well, yeah. No, that's... Well, I guess that's part of my point. Like, we're all going to enjoy different aspects of it. It's going to be fun to debate it on on this podcast and, and stuff. But it makes more things more appealing for more people. And I have here in my notes that I can't... Like, I wrote, I can't think of any other franchise that has done this. Like, within one franchise, this like establish this range. But I think I was thinking about it this morning. The only thing I can think of is American Horror Story, which each season is a different anthology show. Each season is a little bit different. They're all in sort of the same like horror vein, but that's the only other franchise I can think that does anything like this. And it took them, you know, 20 movies to get here, but I think it's really brave to do this this late. Uh, But it's also sort of a palate cleanser going forward. Do you? So... Would you see some of our tastes are a little tainted, I think, but going forward, we could see more properties like this. And I think that that's exciting again for more people. But would you give something like this another chance in the MCU, Robin? And Royce, I guess, being the two who didn't really like this, but I think Royce, you already Let's both answer together. One, two, three. (laughs) Now. No. It depends very heavily on the characters. I think... If this show had been done like this, but it was a different set of characters, I would have cared more. Like, I'm very excited about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm very excited about Loki. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is probably going to be exactly what you would expect it to be. Loki is going to be probably strange and maybe more in the vein of like a strange WandaVision type show. But I like that character, so I'm going to watch it. And even if the show overall is not great... I'm still probably going to like it because I like that character and I'm very excited to see more of their story. WandaVision had no, like, very little fun in it. So when they introduced S.W.O.R.D. and they brought in the other 
like side team that was trying to break in. Like that was fun, but they didn't incorporate a lot of fun episode to episode. There was just a lot of like there was the quirky sitcom stuff, but the ride like wasn't fun for some reason to me. But I see that in the trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier. The whole thing is going to be like a feel good buddy cop like thing with MCU facade. And that's going to be a good ride. I think that'll be much more well-balanced in general versus WandaVision, which was odd and then sad. Like you're saying, I understand your like attachment to the emotional side of it, Joe. Like it's very sad. And then she's alone at the end of the entire series. It's just not fun. You know, I want more fun in the next thing. (laughs) Even if you're going to try something new, please make it fun. You know, have a quirky droid or something to lighten the mood a little bit. I don't know. I'm, as much as I love Chris Evans and Captain America is my favorite Marvel superhero, I'm hoping the show won't, I'm hoping Falcon and the Winter Soldier won't feel like it's missing Captain America and it's going to just feel like a natural continuation. I'm very excited. I'm so excited I might explode, especially after wow. something as awful as WandaVision. Oh I'm excited. For, Grass is always greener. I'm excited for something that feels more like Marvel to me with characters that I'm more invested in. When I think Marvel, it's like bright colors and like, Joey, you like heroes being heroes, not like the boys, you know? Well, yes, I agree. But I do also like this like like I just said for probably 10 minutes, I like that they're establishing this range. Um, All right, fair. Fair enough. And, well, there were so many points to address, but we're running late, and there's a big topic that I want to discuss that Robin just transitioned us into, but Woo. I want to hear from you, Lorelai, because I think there's, like, a spectrum here where, where our... This show, like, Robin's at one end of the spectrum, and I'm at the other end of the spectrum, and Royce is towards Robin, and you're somewhere in the middle. So I want to hear from you. Like, do you appreciate the range they established, or do you want sort of the MCU to, quote, stay in its lane? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Is that a hard question to answer? It is a hard question to answer. I mean, I think if you're watching these things for pure entertainment value, then, like, you know, I think a lot of people will probably connect with a character like Wanda more than they're going to connect with a character like Captain America or Thor or... We're going to want to be those characters. I know, but... we're but... pretty much already part Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a little bit Wanda. Yeah. Um, But I, I think I appreciate that they're trying to do something a little bit different. They're, like, trying to be a little bit more creative, and whether it landed or not with everyone, they kind of... At this point, it doesn't really matter because they're all freaking billionaires anyway so who gives a fuck i guess <laughs> so they can do whatever they want they can um, do whatever they want I which think is maybe a care. little bit liberating and like the success over the last 20 years is what has allowed them to now make a show like this that i think is not a 100 percent guaranteed hit mm-hmm. right? right like every movie they've made until now has been like oh this has to be a blockbuster we have to like beat avatar as, like, the best-selling movie ever. Like, the you know, the goals were different, and now that they're on Disney+, and there's, like, this streaming platform, and everyone's just consuming the media differently, I think they were able to kind of step outside that guaranteed blockbuster footprint and just, like, make something a little bit more creative. And, like, if it failed, people are still subscribed, and that's all that really matters. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I think, like, I appreciate that they're trying to do something different, and... I didn't hate the show. I think I 
am more excited for Loki just because I really like the Thor movies. Um, I don't really care about Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I don't care about those characters quite as much. But like, I'm excited that Robin's excited about it. <laughs> Based off what Robin was saying, I think it brings up a really good point that I want us all to maybe sort of hash out here. It starts with the question of why don't we like Wanda? So many times I think we leave a situation like this, we don't like the character, and maybe so many of us don't really ask why, other than, well, the character was bad, or we didn't like her story. But that's not necessarily the character's fault. So I think I know why we all don't like Wanda. Like, we've talked about it before, we don't have a connection to her. None of the MCU so far has given us a reason to like that character. What my point is that I'd like for us to discuss are there any female characters in the MCU that we like? And right off the bat, that might seem like a harsh question. But all the men in the MCU have movies. And Robin, you talked about how invested you are in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki, Thor, Captain America, every character that has gotten their own movie and that we like is a man. They've introduced these female characters like Wanda and... Black Widow and Captain Marvel. It took them 20 movies to get to Captain Marvel and make a woman-led movie, which I really enjoyed, which we're going to get to in a minute. But are there any of those characters that we like? I like Captain Marvel. Okay. Anybody else? (laughs) I like the film Captain Marvel, but not because of Captain Marvel. I really like the Nick Fury stuff, so nothing to do with her. Of all of the Marvel Lady superheroes, though, probably would have to put her at the top of the list. She's a little bit more inspiring than Scarlet, what's her character's name? Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. Black Widow and Scarlet Witch feel like the same character, basically, to me. Maybe that's because they're both Scarlet. Brooding, brooding, badass people. Like, they're not... They're like they're not a beacon of hope, you know. They're just kind of like, huh, I'm here and I'm gonna kick butt. Huh. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, like, yeah, the so Hulk... like Captain America shows up and he's like, I can do this all day, and you're like, Yeah, go America. Well, Beat those that's, Nazis. That's part of my point, but the Hulk isn't a beacon of hope. Everyone loves him. I love him. I mean, yeah, but he's, uh, he's you know, a Loki. nice guy, though. Loki is he's a nice guy. Okay, Robin, are there any female characters in the MCU that you like? So I'm going to follow up Royce on Captain Marvel. I like Captain Marvel the movie. I do not like Captain Marvel the character. But I do love all of the female characters in Black Panther because Mm. I think they're all very fun and very, like, strong. And I'm typically not someone who's like, oh, nice, strong female lead roles or whatever. But I like all of the, the female characters in Black Panther. I can't remember any of their names, but, like, his love interest and the women in the tribe and his sister and his mom even, I think those are all really fantastic characters. Right. Other than that, like, I hate Scarlet Witch. I hate Black Widow. I hate Scarlett Johansson in general. Like, if she's in a movie, I'm not going to go see it. <laughs> so I think that's a, a huge part of that problem. But other than the people in Black Panther, I don't particularly like any of the characters. I'm glad you mentioned that because all those characters are really good. And that movie was trying to celebrate diversity like from the get-go. So you're right. They did a good job with some of those female leads for sure. Yeah, they're all fantastic characters. And that's just it. Those characters in Black Panther are written, are not only written, 
really well. I mean, written really well is a tremendous achievement, but they've also been written really well for a long time. Like, the storyboards are already there in comic book form. I'm not taking anything away from the writers because it's still hard to make that transition. You can't just take a comic book and turn it into a movie. But directing is a whole other obstacle. And that's my point with this. Like, Hollywood, TV, movies, everything has proven. Listeners, I hope you stayed with me this far. I know I started off pretty harsh, but there, there's a point here. It's proven that men cannot write or direct women. And a, a huge part of why I don't, and I'm speculating as to why we all don't, like these characters in the MCU, is because they have been written and directed poorly. These characters are great characters in comic books. Scarlet Witch is great. Black Widow is great. Captain Marvel is one of the greatest Marvel characters. I really like the Captain Marvel movie, and I think you can see it most in that movie where the direction falls a little... I'm not going to say it falls flat, because that's that might be a little bit too nice. Captain Marvel was written and directed by a male-female team, and a lot of that movie's really good. But some of the direction of Brie Larson is not very good. And that really takes me away from that character in a very unfair way. So my thesis is that these characters are not as well-liked as the male characters because, in particular, men, and because of the education they receive in, you know, learning how to direct and write, that no one really is comfortable or knows how to write or direct for women. With ex- Obviously, there are exceptions. But My point is that that's why we don't like any of these characters. So going, I guess, I guess it would be hard without sort of going back and watching these movies now because of that. But again, they had 20 movies before they came, before Captain Marvel came and got her own movie. And I, again, I really liked it. I really like Brie Larson. I really like the character and some of the direction was a little bit off, but we don't have Black Widow. What's interesting is the woman who wrote WandaVision is involved with writing Black Widow. And I think the writing of WandaVision was very good. And also, again, to bring us into the character, because we haven't gotten that so far. So I'm excited to see Black Widow. But Lorelai, give me your point of view on my thesis (laughs) and what you think. Lorelai and I, pre-pandemic, we were watching The Flash. And that's always something that comes to mind when I have this conversation. When The Flash started, all the women characters in The Flash, no one no one liked them because they were written and directed so poorly. And they changed that later, much later in the seasons. But I think it really takes it away from us connecting with these characters. And we don't always ask, why don't we like this character? Yeah, I guess I haven't read the comic books, so I don't know that they're good characters in the comic books, for one. Like, my suspicion is that the the way that these characters were created was... Like, they've made all these badass male comic book heroes, and then they're like, oh, wait, but how do we do this and, like, have a woman character? Like, how do we appeal to girls? And so they take what is essentially a male comic book hero and make it a woman and just, like, expect that to be good enough. Captain Marvel is, like, an Air Force pilot and, like, fulfills this very stereotypical, like, male role, and then she turns into, like, a badass superhero, and it's, like... She's obviously a very strong female character, but she's a very strong female character with a lot of masculine 
stereotypically masculine characteristics. And so, like, the thing that I kind of get upset about, especially, like, in my—I mean, all women have to deal with this, but, like, in my field of work, there's so many— Like, the number of times I've sat through a workshop that's, like, how to help women speak up in the classroom or, like, how to help women do this bullshit. And it's, like, why aren't we teaching men to just shut up and listen every once in a while? So, like, maybe they need to, instead of focusing on, like, why aren't these female characters good enough? It's, like, why aren't these male characters good enough? Why aren't they, like, why don't we make male characters that, like, can still appeal to women outside of, like, being, like, oh, he's so hot. You know, like, why don't we, like, the toxic masculinity works in both directions. So it's always a struggle because it's always like, oh, she's the one female Marvel character that has had her own movie. So, like, it ends up being this, I don't know, no one complained about the fact, like, when whatever, I don't know, what's our least favorite other Marvel movie? Ant-Man 2. Ant- I was, that was the one I was going to say. It's like when Ant-Man 2 came out, it wasn't like, oh, I guess male Marvel character movies are over because this one was bad. It like somehow becomes this like lesson on how it becomes like this bigger thing because it was a movie about a woman. I guess I don't really know where I'm going with this. Besides, I think we tend to judge these female characters really harshly when they're just trying to fit in a mold that already exists. Like, they're trying to fit this superhero mold. Those superheroes, by definition, because of the way the characters are created and how people expect them to be, are stereotypically male. And then we're, like, upset when women don't live up to that. And it's... Hard for me to know because I haven't read the comic books, so I don't know what they're like in the comic books and whether this is like a comic book to movie translation problem or if this is just the way the characters are written in the comic books because comic book writers were like, oh, we should probably try to write something for women, even though women are already reading the comic books and they're like totally like, you know, people don't think of your average comic book reader as like a young girl. They think of like a 13 year old boy. Um, well, that's offensive. Well, I, <laughs> sorry to break it to you, but I think that's the reality. I think you're bringing up good points. I've yeah. never like watched a Marvel movie and been like, I don't like the way they wrote that male character. I know, right? It's like never a thing you would think of. Like you, you would never be like, oh, I wish he was more sensitive. It's like, whereas you're like, oh, this woman yeah. is. Why like, isn't has Wanda more fun? Wanda yeah. should why, smile why more. Why isn't he more fun? Like, why doesn't the Hulk smile more? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, it's, I don't know. We just have different expectations. And I do agree that I think the women in Black Panther were so great. And I think um, Royce made a good point that, like, that movie, in a way, was, like, sort of the MCU trying to say, like, oh, we're, like, on this diversity train. We're going to make this movie that's, like, about a bunch of really powerful Black and female characters. And so it's like, now it's like its own little diversity niche. And it's like, those are the sort of things that need to exist in every one of those movies for it to be like real diversity. It's like, you can't True. like, spe- you know, as white people, it's really easy to live in this world where we're happy to watch all these like white characters and like doing all these things. And then we watch Black Panther and it's like, oh, now I'm, now I'm di- like, now I've seen yeah. the diversity movie. Like I've checked off that, but you know, yeah, it's like, like having- these are the- one month devoted to black yeah, history it's like or black whatever. History it's month, not, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, it doesn't like persist throughout yeah. the year because we don't have to exist in that reality. And now it's over and we can all go back to being exactly. racist. So like, you know, it's, you know, we have like the woman movie and we have the black hero movie and like, it doesn't exist in the other movies at all. 
I don't know. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot of ways that the Marvel movies and I think, like, superheroes in general sort of, they were created in a very sexist and racist world. Mm -hmm. So they perpetuate some of that sort of toxic masculinity and white supremacy in ways that, like, are, I think, important to recognize. But if they start putting, like, really awesome black characters in every Marvel movie and, like, confronting these diversity sort of related issues in every Marvel movie, then, like, I'll be thrilled. But right now their response is, like, to make one female superhero movie. And now WandaVision, which I think one of the reasons why it's so interesting is that she's not the stereotypically male superhero where she's, like, going around punching people and, like, saying really dramatic, hero-y things. She's not Captain America who's, like, beating up Nazis and so is, like... 100% 100% good and pure, right? She's, like, a lot more complicated. Um, yeah, that's, that's... That's... That was a lot I of think, thoughts not very well organized. No, but. I think that that's good. I think that that's what I wanted this to do is open up this discussion. And, yeah, I think that that's... I'd love for that to be the future of the MCU and for this to be the way to go and for for people to... I still think that, like, no one's... Again, because it's inherently sexist no one is taught or is comfortable directing basically people other than white men. So then they are directed well and the others are not. And I think Black Panther was a really... See, it's even difficult to talk about because I am a white man, but I do want to have this conversation as to why we don't like these female characters, but I'd love for that to be a direction for the MCU to go. And it feels like that's what they're doing with stuff like WandaVision and stuff like Black Panther and stuff like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And what maybe we could lead to this MCU, this more diverse MCU. Yeah, we'll give them a couple more movies. So they've done Captain Marvel. They'll do Black Widow and whoever else. And it just has to be like a progression of things. It's not going to be like all of a sudden, there's equality for all and peace on earth. Well, yeah, I think that's another problem with it. Like the idea with all of this that's happening with the whole social justice movement, social justice movement, where everything that should be already with the idea that we have to transition slowly into that instead of it just being, no, everything, everyone except this, everyone is equal, blah, blah, blah. The idea of the transition is part of the problem because that just sort of stays the solution instead of addressing the solution. Yeah. But anyway. Well, you can't just jump, dude. Haven't you seen that uh, Jim Jeffries bit? The Jim Jeffries well, bit where he's like, let's just dump all the people in the caboose that are slowing us down. We'll pull the pin and we'll the train will be moving so much faster. And all of the people on Earth that have a brain understand that you should treat everybody like you would like to be treated yourself. But especially when you're in an industry you want clean energy? Guess what? People make money with not clean energy. So they can't just flip a switch and say, we're not going to make money anymore because it's good for Earth. It's just not. Unfortunately, yes, you have to have some sort of progression because you can't just fire everybody tomorrow and get them into like a clean energy job. This is literally why we're in the world we're in. Things do take time, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah you could try to move a little bit quicker. But Otherwise, yeah. you need to get all five Infinity Stones and you could snap your fingers and we can get rid of all those stupid fucks in the caboose. Well, I think that, that yeah, I, I understand your analogy. I think it's I think it's very different. I think it's very easy for Jim Jeffries' point to be made because he is a white male. And anyway, we're getting we're getting a little too deep here, right, with this? I don't know. 
I would just push back on that a little bit, partially because, so we just watched Judas and the Black Messiah, like right before we started this. And there was one line that really stuck with me where it's like the, the white character, one of the white characters is telling the like lead of this movie um, who's black, you can't cheat your way to equality, like telling him like, oh, you want all these things right now? That's cheating. You have to work to get your equality. And it's just like, not like, who are we to tell people who have been like subjected to racism forever to like, that they have to wait and they have to work for it. So like, I think, you know, all it takes is one person in a position of power to do something. And then the whole system has changed. Like, it's not really about like, oh, we, you know, there's people who are slowing us down. Are slowing us down. It just takes one Hollywood executive to be like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. We're going to have diverse casts. We're going to have diverse directors. This is how it's all going to be done. And the system is different now. Like, that's all it would take. Yep. And no one exists that is willing to do that at this point. Um, because, as you said, they make money doing what they do. Yeah. And they are, they are responsible to their shareholders and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, step up and do something. And, like... They assume that by writing diverse characters and by hiring diverse directors in some way, like, the assumption is, like, these movies will be worse and we won't make as much money when you're just, like, discounting Black excellence and discounting how, like, amazing women directors can be. And it's just, like, yeah, it's time to just pull the pin. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's there's all... There's all... There's terms and dialogue that we... That people use to make excuses when there could just be action taken. But specifically getting back to my point about sexism and I guess in Hollywood and the MCU, I wanted to hear from the women on this podcast. So Robin, I'd love to hear your take on why you haven't liked any of these characters. A lot of it for me has to do with who they cast. Like I'm never going to like Black Widow because I don't like Scarlett Johansson. I just think she's a horrible, horrible actress. Everything I've seen her in, she's kind of like the same monotone character. Who would Tina Fey play in the MCU? She wouldn't because she's better than that. <laughs> I'd love I'd love to hear more of your point, but to inter- interject real quick, I think that's I think that's part of my point and the problem is that Scarlett Johansson might be good at acting or she might not be, but she might not have been given a chance to express her acting chops because She's the, her characters aren't written well or directed well or any combination of those things. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think she got cast because someone thinks she's attractive. So instead of giving her good writing, they're just like, whatever, she's hot. So people are going to watch the movie because she's hot and it doesn't really matter. Everyone loves Captain America Winter Soldier. It's it, right. It's almost like everyone's favorite MCU movie. I love Black Widow, the character. I'm excited now for Black Widow, the movie. Every scene she's in in Winter Soldier starts at her butt. It's butt shots. Every scene. Anyway, it's just super annoying when you're watching the movie. How about Captain Marvel? Do you like Brie Larson? I don't. I mean, I she's been in like some car commercials that I've seen. And even the <laughs> car commercials annoy me. I'm always like, fucking Brie Larson in this stupid commercial. And I think it's the same thing. I think she probably mainly got cast because she's attractive. I think she's in car commercials because she's attractive and people know who she is now. And maybe if she had better writing, like I love the 90s. I love Goose is a fantastic character. <laughs> There's so many things about that movie that I love. 
but I don't like Brie Larson. I think she's horrible in that movie. And I that is sorry, to your ahead. point, I don't think it's necessarily 100% her fault. Like maybe she's not really a great actor or maybe she's a really good actor and she just had shitty lines and shitty direction. I think that that's the perfect movie to watch to express my point because Sam, you could see Samuel Jackson and Orson Krennic. What's his name? Ben. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. You could see them in that movie and they are phenomenal. They're both really good in that movie. The, the writing's good, the acting's good, the direction's good. And alongside Brie Larson, who's great. I love her in that movie, but there's just some scenes where you can see that the direction was not very good, I think. So that's the perfect movie to watch, I think, for that. I think another, like, she's won or been nominated for Oscars before. She's great. She yeah, has, I, like, anyone who's listening thus far, uh, go check out other Brie Larson movies if you yeah. haven't. I think she's really great. When Captain Marvel came out, I remember Lorelai and I were going to see it. Uh, as soon as it came out, I looked up the reviews and they were all horrible. When Captain Marvel first came out, if you went on Rotten Tomato or anything, the reviews were terrible. Were and I was terrible. like, oh no. And then we saw it and I was like, this movie was great. And I looked up the reviews and they were all shitty white men being like, she shot Arnold Schwarzenegger in the blockbuster and not Jamie Lee Curtis. And that was like everyone's complaint. And I was like, you're a fucking shithead. Like, this was a great movie yeah. and you're like leaving a bad review because you hate the... Go ahead, Lorelai. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the reviews to me just smacked of like men just feeling attacked for some reason that yeah. people would dare to have a woman leading a Marvel movie. Like, we don't need this. Like, why would you do this? They stand like, like one they, of the one of the um, complaints, if I remember, was them the Cree scan Samuel Jackson, and they're like, he's no threat, but they don't scan um, Rambo, yeah, Maria Rambo, yeah. And one of the co complaints on Rotten Tomatoes was that. I mean, the reviews were, I think, terribly sexist. But yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, it's frustrating. I do want to point out that inherent and in systemic sexism is just systemic, and it affected. I mean, I'm susceptible to it. When we were watching and discussing The Mandalorian, every episode I would come on and say, written and directed by blah, blah, blah. I never once did that with WandaVision. Now, it was always the same team, and we discussed it a little bit in our Disney Investor Day episode, but that's an excuse. And I do want to point out, I think Jack Schaefer, who was the showrunner for WandaVision, she wrote the show, I have loved this show, and I think she deserves an, a just tremendous amount of praise for the work that she did. Again, based on all my previous points, I think she she created a new range for the MCU. I really enjoyed the show. I think she did a great job. The MCU. MCU. I never once dis I never once brought her up in 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 talking about all nine episodes of this show, and that is dumb. So there you go, Jack Schaefer. I think she's really great, and I'm excited to see what she does. For Black Widow. And that's all I have to say about that. Is everyone ready for a surprise question time? Yes. Yes. Friends, listeners, I reached out once again to Twitter and got a response. Woo! So the surprise question this week comes once again from Mots and Bopper. Thanks, Mots and Bopper, for saving the day. <laughs> 
If you could create your own Marvel, DC, or Star Wars, what if, quote, those were, I, I quote, I've been doing a lot of air quotes that no one but my co-host can see. Uh, if you could create a Marvel, DC, or Star Wars, what if, what would it be? Hmm. Does that mean like a alternate reality? Yeah, an alternate timeline like Ray doesn't oh. kiss Kylo. <laughs> I mean, I would do that for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is fun because there is, you know, there's a Marvel, there's a Disney Plus Marvel show called What If coming out where they're they're going to expand, well, they're going to discuss like variations in the Marvel timeline. What if something happened instead of this thing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. I got one. What do you got, Royce? I'm going to go for the most obvious one, which I think you all probably maybe have a different guess as to what the most obvious one is. But the most obvious one is, what if they never blew up the Death Star? Oh, wow. And it mm. just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> Just it just kept, kept death starring. Yeah. I mean, so the whole point, <laughs> you know, we've talked one. about it before. The point was like to terrorize, or not terrorize, but like put people in line. And if they never blew it up, you're like, how do we mess with these people? They have the Death Star. It's indestructible. Can't sink it. Unsinkable Death Star. Huh. So does that mean, do you think in your reality, Luke would have like died trying to destroy the Death Star or he just wouldn't have hit his mark or... Like, I guess if he died, then the galaxy loses hope. But if he survived but failed, then the galaxy also loses hope. Is yeah. it all right on Luke? Yeah, I'm not sure I thought that far ahead. But <laughs> I don't know. You're right. Because if they couldn't blow it up, what what would the rebels do, you know? And yeah. then maybe Luke, you know, doesn't learn the force, you know? You have a whole different timeline where, like, he doesn't believe in himself. Because Obi-Wan tells him, use the force, Luke. And then he tries, and he's like, it didn't work. Yeah. It's all a bunch of... Hokey pokey, whatever Han says. <laughs> hokey pokey. Hokey pokey. Do the hokey pokey. <laughs> Can you imagine how furious we all would be if Han said hokey pokey? We'd all be like, the hokey pokey exists in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster by your side. Yeah. Kid. I suppose hokey is. Uh, anyway, does anybody else have one? I have one. Okay. Which I also think is very obvious. All right. But what if. Anakin doesn't go bad. Ooh. Yeah, it's a good and, one. And like what him if he... and Padme, and they just all live like a little happy family. Would he have killed the Chancellor? Would he have let Mace Windu kill the Chancellor? The Chancellor goes to space Mace jail. I don't remember who Mace Windu is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, we didn't get to the we didn't get to Revenge of the Sith. In our so I haven't seen that in yeah. seventeen years or whenever it came out. Right, I right. guess. Luke and Leia grew up knowing that they're siblings. They don't yeah. make out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. What if? I think that would have been an incredible time in the galaxy. Like, it would have been peace, prosperity, Jedi everywhere. What an incredible... Anakin might have just climbed the ladder to become the most powerful <laughs> Jedi master ever. Mm-hmm. Ah, what That's a great... One. What a fun thought experiment. Should we write fanfic? No. <laughs> I mean, you can. I don't know. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Robin, you got one? I do not. Oh, and then, no, no. In, in Lorelai's universe, Luke turns to the dark side. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Oh. So, and then we'd actually know if Anakin or Luke was the chosen one. 
Even though, I mean, it's Anakin, but <laughs> I've got one. Unfortunately, it also has to do with Star Wars and the <laughs> and the original trilogy. So we're not really <laughs> we're not really spanning out. But this is fun. This is taking us. You know what? This is taking us back to our roots. Sure. Of Star being Wars. the podcast that blah, 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 but it's mostly Star Wars. Sure. We've been talking about Marvel for a really long time. We sure have. So my what if is, what if Vader... You invented the Finn longer? <laughs> so that's what would have happened if I invented the Finn longer. <laughs> Futurama is great. Um, what if Vader didn't kill Obi-Wan? Like, what if Obi-Wan was like, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. And Vader's like, oh, shit. You can't argue with that. <laughs> <Right>. Bye. <laughs> and Obi-Wan lives. <laughs> what if that happened? Yeah, but again, does he get away? Or is he taken prisoner? Or, Ooh, you know? See, like so many... The what if question the, opens see, up too many doors. You got to put all the stones back at the end. But I think he gets away with Luke... And then they go to Dagobah together, and they all meet Yoda, and it's the first time that Obi-Wan has seen Yoda since they abandoned Coruscant, and it's a very heartfelt reunion, and they both train Luke, and when Luke goes into the temple on Dagobah, he succeeds, and then everything else transpires exactly as I have foreseen. <laughs> that would have been cool if Obi-Wan pulls like what Luke did with Kylo, and he's like, I'll see you around, kid. The only thing I keep coming to is what if uh, Steve Rogers never realized that Bucky was the Winter Soldier? Mm. Mm. And he just straight up killed him? Yeah, like he had no idea and he killed him. Or like, even if, you know, the Winter Soldier gets away, but he never ever realizes, like, is he still like, I need to find the Winter Soldier and kill him? Or is he just like, eh, he got (laughs) away. Maybe he'll be back. (laughs) I think that question... I think your answer asks a much deeper question to, like, the audience's connection because they based so much, I mean, in comic books and the movie, they based so much of our emotional attachment to Steve Rogers' attachment to Bucky. And then because of that, he saves Bucky and Bucky becomes the hero, becomes his own hero and Captain America and all these other things. Um, So the trajectory that that would have put everything on is a fun thought experiment. Steve Rogers would have never made the connection, so we as the audience or readers would have never made the connection. Incredible stuff. Good answers all around. Matson <laughs> Bopper, I hope we did you proud, because last time I'm sorry that we did not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for making it to the end of the episode. Achievement unlocked. Experience gained. Spend your points wisely upgrading your character. Or... <laughs> Go ahead and max out one of the, you know, things. If you want speed, if you want traction. No, I'm thinking about Mario Kart a little too hard. Could be anything. Go Could be mine anything. some denim. <laughs> trade your wood and it, horse sheep. hair into denim. <laughs> all right. Yeah, paid off listening all the way through. So, <laughs> since you seem to enjoy the show, making it all the way to the end, we appreciate it, listeners. If you could do us a favor... And leave us a review wherever you're tuning in from, unless it's Spotify or somewhere that doesn't allow reviews. I don't like that one-way system there. A little bit dangerous, That's you know, stupid, to not right? get any feedback. But we appreciate hearing from all of you. So send us a review wherever you're listening and tweet at us at Krypton Alderon. That's A-L-D-E-R-A-A-N. <laughs> <laughs> or you could send us an email. 
krypton2alderon at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And that's the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. And I've been Joey. <laughs> and we've been Krypton, Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan. Krypton to Alderaan.